I believe honor is one of the forgotten virtues in our day. And so in this series, we're going to be looking at some interesting, maybe even surprising areas of your life where you didn't even know that honor played a part. Because honor is more than, than a state of mind or, or just an attitude. Honor is a state of being. Uh, honor is about the importance of placing importance on what's important. Uh, honor is about giving what is deserved even when it's not earned. And so uh, it, it, we want to learn how to live with honor. Our key verses today are out of the book of Malachi. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. It's a small book in the Old Testament. Malachi was a prophet during the post-exilic period of Israel's history. And I'm just going to give you a little history lesson to put this into perspective for you. Uh, God uh, made a promise to Abraham. Made the Abrahamic covenant with Abraham. He said, I'm going to make your descendants a great nation. And then we have the story in Genesis of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and how God turned them into uh, a family. And that family went down into Egypt uh, because of a famine and they wound up in slavery in Egypt. But God fulfilled his promise to turn them into a nation when Moses led the Jews out of Egypt, out of slavery. When he led them, they went in as a family. When Moses led them out, they were a nation. There were about six million of them. So God fulfilled the promise to make him a nation. But the Abrahamic covenant also included land. So after Moses came Joshua, and Joshua uh, led the Jews to conquer the land of Israel. And then as they lived in the land, God established a kingdom. He established a covenant with David that David's line would be the line of the kings all the way through. And Jesus Christ is of the line and lineage of David, one of the kings Uh, to rule and reign over Israel forever. And then under King Solomon, God gave Israel a temple to worship in. And all the way through this covenant process, God promised to bless the nation of Israel if they honored him, if they worshiped him. In fact, God promised to bless nations who blessed the nation of Israel. God said, you know, the nations of the world will be blessed through the nation of Israel. If you honor Israel, you'll be blessed. If you curse Israel, you'll be cursed. And we've seen that throughout history. So God called them to honor and worship him. But instead of honoring God, Israel wandered from God. And they worshiped idols. And they didn't tithe. And their marriages and families fell apart. And they became sexually immoral. And they didn't obey God's commandments. They didn't honor God. So God allowed some pagan powers, pagan nations of Babylon and Persia. Babylon is where modern-day Iraq is located. Persia is modern-day Iran. So God allowed these pagan powers to come in and conquer the land of Israel as a corrective punishment for Israel's disobedience. Uh, Israel was conquered. Not only were they conquered, they were taken captive. They Literally, the people were packed up and moved out of the country, moved to Babylon, called the Babylonian captivity. And they were there for 70 years. Basically, they were there until the disobedient generation died off and a new generation rose up. And when the new generation rose up, God allowed them to go back into the land of Israel. And so they went back and they rebuilt the temple under Ezra. The book of Ezra describes rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. And then Nehemiah went back and rebuilt the walls around the city of Jerusalem and reestablished that as a capital for the the nation of Israel. And it's that 
leadership uh, experience of Nehemiah that I use to do the leadership training that I, I, I do with pastors internationally. In fact, that's what we're putting on uh, the DVDs that we're, uh, that we're preparing as a church to give to the uh, pastors in India. I'm, I'm going to show this video again. showed it last week, but some of you don't come every week, so you didn't get to see it. So I want you all to see it, so we're going to watch this, this quick video clip. So Nehemiah uh, rebuilds the walls around the city of Jerusalem. Malachi would have been a contemporary of Nehemiah. They lived at the same time. They lived in the same city. They dealt with some of the same issues and concerns. So we've got a new generation of Jews back in the land of Israel after the nation has been disciplined for its disobedience. And this new generation starts in on the same behavior as the previous generation that was just disciplined. I mean, what a mess we human beings are. So Nehemiah is dealing with this issue politically as the governor over Israel, and Malachi is dealing with this issue prophetically as a prophet of God. So God is speaking to the nation through Malachi, and he says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If I am a father, say this next phrase with me, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? says the Lord Almighty. It is you, O priest, who show contempt for my name. In the Old Testament, the priests were just a small group of people in the nation. We looked in our legacy series, and specifically last week, that in the New Testament, God has called every believer to be a holy priesthood. And so if Malachi were writing to us today, you and I would be included in this statement. He would say, you, O church, have shown contempt for my name. To show contempt for something means that you reduce the value of it. You reduce the respect, reduce the reverence, and you show contempt for it. God says, you, O church, have reduced your reverence and respect for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? So there's some pushback on this. And that's what I want to show you this week as we begin this three-part series. One of the problems that we have in our culture, one of the problems that we have in the church is that we have reduced the level of respect and reverence for God and for God-ordained institutions. And next week, I'm going to talk to you about six institutions that are worthy of honor. And I think all of us, myself included, are going to receive some correction, some instruction on how to make improvements in how we honor God and the institutions that God has started. Because as a pastor, I want us as a church to honor God. Because I don't want God to have to discipline us. Third week, I'm going to talk about how do we honor. And that's going to be a fun, practical message on how how do you show honor. So, where is the honor? Who do we honor? How do we honor? I actually try to plan these series out. I mean, who knew, right? So as we go through this series, I want you to think about this. I want you to think, what would it look like in your marriage if you honored one another as husband and wife? What would it look like in your family if your kids honored their parents? What would it look like in your school if your kids showed their teachers and principals their proper respect? What would it look like in your workplace if you honored your boss and honored your coworkers? What would it look like in our country if you honored our politicians and civic leaders? 
And I know the immediate response back is, is, well, I'll do that when they deserve the honor. That's not how it works. You're going to see that it's not how it works. And this admonition, this word of instruction, correction, encouragement, is for you, O priest, you Christians, you in the church. If you do not listen, and if you do not set your heart to honor my name. Underline that phrase, set your heart. Because we don't honor out of duty, obligation, compulsion, or law. In the New Testament, there there are two concepts that are used to describe when, when we behave correctly. And one word is the word obey. That's what you do. You do it because God said it. It doesn't matter whether you feel like it or not. You just do it. And that's the concept of obedience. Another word that is used throughout the New Testament is the word submit. And you need, you need to hear me on this because this is helpful. To submit means to do it out of the delight of your heart. Now that is probably not the definition of submission that you normally think of. But the truth is, biblically, you are not submitting because you are told to do so. You are submitting because it's your heart's delight to honor that person. That's the concept of biblical submission. And do you see how our own flesh and the devil have perverted our understanding of submission? And they have worked overtime to pervert our understanding. In our flesh, we recoil at the idea of submitting to our husband or submitting to our wife. Because the Ephesians tells husbands and wives to submit to one another. We recoil at the idea of submitting to those who have the rule over us. We recoil on submit to my boss, submit to one another in church. And the devil loves to just crank on this idea of of submission because he's a rebel, he's a rabble-rouser, he's an instigator, he's a usurper. He doesn't do anything out of the delight of his heart. The only thing in his heart is hate. And that's how he wants you to live too. But God says to set your heart to honor his name. God doesn't want to talk you into something. God doesn't want to force or coerce you into doing something. God wants you to set your heart. Obedience is a matter of the will. Submission is a matter of the heart. And God calls you to set your heart, to honor God, to honor the institutions that he's established, to honor one another. There are ramifications if we don't. Says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not set your heart to honor me. That's how important it is to honor God. Because we're cursed if we don't. Now, in the Bible, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. So we have two words for the word honor. We have one in Hebrew, one in Greek. The Hebrew word for honor is the word chaved. Say that with me. Chaved. Yeah, you're getting close. You need a little more stuff in your throat. Chaved. Yeah, that's pretty good. Actually, it was pretty pathetic, but... You know, you're giving it a good shot. I appreciate that. And actually, now you're bilingual. So, you know, we can, we can, we can celebrate that. The Greek word is the word tomao. A you, not tomato. You say tomato. I say tomao. Okay? So say that with me. Tomao. Yeah. There you go. Now you're trilingual. And we're making leaps here. Okay? But both of those words, chaved and tomao, both of them have the same definition for the word honor. 
They mean to recognize the value, recognize the worth. You recognize the weight of something. It's like you're driving down the road and you come around a curve and there's a massive boulder that has rolled into the road. And you have to acknowledge it. You have to yield to it. You have to navigate around it because it's got some weight. And so you, you disregard it at your peril. You have to honor it. That's the way it is with honor. Now, if honor means weighty, to dishonor something means to take it lightly. And you actually remove the weight from it. And we are living in a generation that takes things lightly. We, we, we treat things as common and ordinary that shouldn't be treated as common and ordinary. We take things lightly, like marriage vows, marriage covenants, like sex, like money, like human life itself is treated lightly. We've reduced its value, reduced its weight. And so the question today is, where's the honor? Where's the honor? Jesus talks about honor in the book of Mark. It says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, went back to Nazareth, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They were astonished. They were overwhelmed by his teaching, but not in a good way. You know, not in a respectful, reverential way. They didn't honor his teaching and give it weight. They, they, they dishonored his teaching and they took him lightly. In fact, they responded with questions and even sarcasm. They said, where did this man get these things? What's this wisdom that has been given to him that he even does miracles? But they treat him lightly. They, they begin to dishonor him. They take this boulder, this precious cornerstone of Jesus Christ that has been placed in their midst and they disregard its weight. Isn't this the carpenter? You know, when, when I hear that, I always think, I mean, isn't this the guy that built your deck? You know? I mean, who does this guy think he is? It's not, isn't he the rabbi? Isn't he the teacher? Isn't he the miracle worker? No. Isn't he the common laborer that did chores around here for us? Isn't this Mary's son? We know Mary. And his brothers... James, Joseph, Judas, Simon, they're just ordinary guys. Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Word for offense is the word for scandal. They were scandalized by him. Jesus said to them, only in his hometown, among his relatives and in his own house, is a prophet without honor. He could do, not do any miracles there. And I just think it's fascinating that Jesus, the Son of God, God couldn't work any miracles there. Why? Because of the attitude of the people. Their dishonor limited his power. I mean, what would have happened if their attitude would have been the opposite? What if, if they had honored Jesus Christ? They would have received more blessing, more miracles than Jesus just laying his hands on healing a few sick people. Now, the verse identifies two things that cause dishonor. First, familiarity causes dishonor. Anything that you think you are close to or equal to or overly accustomed to, you run the risk of dishonoring it. You've heard the old expression, familiarity breeds contempt. Well, it's true. 
And if you look closely at familiarity, you see the root word is family. Because the first place where we begin to reduce respect and reverence and even begin to dishonor one another is within the family. In the place of husbands to wives and wives to husbands and children to parents, what if there was honor instead of dishonor? What, what kind of miracles would God be able to do in your marriage and your family if your home became a place of honor? A place where you honor one another and you honor God and His Word and His institutions. What if Jesus Christ, because He was honored in your home, because you obeyed Him with your will and you submitted Him to, with all your heart, what if Jesus Christ was released to do a lot of miracles in your midst? That's what I want for you. That's what God wants for you. Also, offenses cause dishonor. It says they were offended by Jesus. They were scandalized by him. They, 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 they tripped over his, his teaching. You know, they viewed Jesus Christ himself as untrustworthy and his teaching as unreliable. If you view somebody as untrustworthy, unreliable, it, it's hard to honor them. And so they took offense at him. The, the word in the Greek to scandalize uh, means literally to trip over a stumbling stone or a stumbling block. It means you don't recognize something in the path and you trip and you stumble and you fall because of it. They don't recognize the boulder in their path. They take offense at it and they stumble and they fall. They dishonor him. So to set the stage for the next two weeks, I, I want to look at what it means to treat someone with honor. Number one, honoring begins with God's claim on them. God's claim on them. Politically, it doesn't matter what your political persuasion is. It doesn't matter. You can be a Republican, a Democrat, an Independent, a Libertarian, a Communist, a Socialist. It doesn't matter what your, what your political persuasion is. It doesn't matter whether, whether they're good parents or bad parents. It doesn't matter whether it's a good boss or a bad boss. It doesn't matter what your opinion of them is. That doesn't matter. Honoring begins with God's claim on them. So that begs the question, well then, if it doesn't matter how I see them, how does God see them? And the Bible's clear that God sees everyone, every person, as someone that He has created. Every person is created in the image and likeness of God. And simply because of that, they have value, they have worth, they have weight. God, God loves everybody. God loves the most despicable person on the face of the earth. He loves them. Jesus Christ died for them. That's how God sees them. And how you see people matters. It matters. Have you ever noticed how nice, sweet, kind people in person can become rude, aggressive, even mean when they get behind a steering wheel. You ever notice? I'm not saying that about any of you. I'm just saying, have you ever noticed somebody that, you know, they, they become a different person when they get behind the wheel? And part of the reason why that happens is, is we're not really mad at the other person. We're mad at the other car. You know, we, we, we view the car as an object. 
Recently, I, I was in an area where I wasn't familiar with the traffic pattern, and I wound up in the wrong lane, and I needed to be in this lane in order to, to, to navigate to where I needed to go. But the problem was, was there was a long line in, of cars in, in there, so I needed to merge in to that lane. And so, you know, I turn on my signal, and I, I, and I turn, and I'm, I'm trying to merge in. No one, no one would let me in. As if one more car was going to make, make a difference. You know, make or break one more car length. And it actually got to be funny because I sat there for so long. And, and what, what struck me as funny is, is no one would look at me. Drivers, no. Passengers in the car, no. Kids in the back seat, no. One German shepherd sort of gave me a, a glance. But nobody would look at me. Why? Because if they looked at me, they would have to acknowledge me as a person. And instead of acknowledging me as a person, they could treat me as an object, an obstacle that they didn't have to deal with. And finally, finally, I got one guy to actually look at me. I got one guy to kind of glance over and I'm... And he graciously smiled and backed off and and let let me move in. You know, he saw me as a person in need, not an enemy trying to get ahead of him. And that made the difference. Now, I wish the story ended there because at this point I'm the saint and not the sinner. But later, you know, confession is good for the soul, it's bad for the reputation. Okay? Later, I'm driving along and, and a guy just blew past me and then had to swerve because there was somebody in his lane and swerved in between us and cut me off and I literally had to stomp on my brakes in order to, to, to avoid hitting him. And uh, I called him a bad name. <laughs> I mean, I, I was upset with him because he was speeding. I mean, we were all driving fast enough and he cut me off. And I tell you, just in that moment, God just moved in, in my heart and I thought, you know... The guy may be a jerk, but he's God's jerk. (laughs) Jesus loves jerks. Jesus died for jerks. And when I change my point of view and I realize God's claim on that guy, that whether he's a good driver or a bad driver, whether he's patient or in a hurry, whether he's reckless or prudent, whether he's rude or kind, God loves him. God loves him. God, Jesus Christ died for him. And God wants the best for him. And, and that, honestly, it changed my attitude. It changed my heart. And it moved me from dishonor to honor. And I just, I just stopped right there. I, I didn't take the guy lightly anymore. I, I gave him some weight. I, I actually stopped and prayed for the guy. I just thought, you know, God, I I don't know why he's in such a hurry. I don't know what his situation or need is. Maybe he had a family emergency. You know, maybe he's a brain surgeon on the way to brain surgery. You know, maybe he had two cups of coffee and a bran muffin. I don't know what the guy's need is. Okay? That was funny. I don't care who you are. Okay? It didn't matter. I just knew that God has a claim on him, and therefore I should honor him uh, as well.
Ephesians 5.21. Submit. There's that word submit again. Submit to one another. Why? Because we deserve it? No. Love one another out of the delight of your heart. Why? Out of reverence for Christ. You know, I, I, I treat people out of my view of him, not my view of them. Jesus says that when you do that, even unto the least of these, you're doing it unto him. And folks, that cuts both ways. Whether you're giving a cup of cold water in Jesus' name to a person in need, if you do that, it's like you're giving it to Jesus. You call somebody a jerk, it's like you're calling Jesus a jerk. That's why honor is such a big deal. Number two. Not only does honor benefit the other person, but number two, honoring benefits me. And the Bible lays this out in regards to parents in Ephesians. It says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. It honors me that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. There is benefit in honoring your father and your mother. And I know that some of us did not have the greatest parents in the world. Some of us had parents who were downright abusive. But God still calls us to honor them. Not because of them, but because of God's claim on their lives. Because they are the ones that God used to give us life. Now I want to talk about honor in another situation. Another place where you benefit from honor. I I have been amazed at the opportunities that, that I have had to speak on different occasions. Both here uh, in the States and in the Philippines, and particularly in India. I mean, it, I mean, India is just a rodeo. And I speak to a lot of groups over there, different groups. I speak in churches, I've spoken in schools, I've spoken in children's homes, I've spoken in colleges, I've spoken to believers and unbelievers and pastors and students and professors, even civic leaders and politicians. And it, it, I have seen a variety of responses from people. And I have been treated with a variety of levels of honor. And what's interesting is in in most of these settings, I'm delivering the same message. But how that message is received and the impact that message has on the audience is based to a large degree on how they honor me as a speaker more than on my ability as a speaker. Because I'm pretty consistent But the more you honor someone, the more you receive back from them. And I've seen this with with speakers in my own life, personally. A life lesson I learned early on. I discovered that if I didn't honor the speaker, I, I didn't get nothing, I didn't get anything out of it. But if I honored the speaker, God would just pour stuff into my heart and mind, even from a bad speaker. You know, if I sat in a chapel service or in a classroom or especially in, in churches, if I went in there with a disinterested attitude or a critical spirit, if I didn't give the speaker the honor that, that he was due, I would get very little. Sometimes I would get nothing out of it. But if I sat up and I paid attention and I nodded my head and I laughed at their jokes and I smiled at them and acknowledged their presence, and, and especially if I took notes, if I wrote down uh, what they taught. I mean, I'll, I'll take more notes for a bad speaker than a good one. Because I have just learned that if I honor them as a teacher, a speaker, a preacher, God just pours blessing out on me. 
And I go over there to India, and these pastors come to hear me speak, and they ride the bus, they ride the train, they walk for hours, they get there early, they stay late, they sleep overnight on blankets rolled out on a concrete floor like this one. They sit on a concrete floor for hours, literally days. And they listen, they listen to me talk about church health and church growth, the Great Commandment, the Great Commission, how to preach for life change, how to uh, disciple people through a life development process, how to lead like Nehemiah. They sit there with me talking in a foreign language and someone translating it into their language and they write down note after note after note, sometimes on big chief tablets with stubby little pencils because that's all they got. But they honor me because they honor God's word and they honor God's message. And I honor them. I honor them as God's children and I honor them as God's messengers. And we honor one another. And God just pours out blessing. You know, our, our network over there, over 600,000 people have gotten saved. 185,000 people have gotten baptized. We've planted 23,000 churches. We've got over 20,000 leaders that have received training. Jesus has been able to do more than just lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. That's the power of honor. The honor that you give determines what you get out of it. And that's true right here in this service. That's true right here. Different people get different levels of blessing out of the service. Now, I've, been, I've been doing this for uh, 18 years around here, and, and I just know that the people who participate in worship, the people who take notes, the people who, 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 who just lean into the process get more out of it than the people who don't. Because the more you honor it, the more God blesses it. Here's the last one. Honoring is decided not deserved. Ultimately, honor is not deserved by the other person. Ultimately, honor is decided in your heart. And you're going to face some honor tests in your life. God is going to put you in places. God is going to put you around people who do not deserve to be honored. But God's going to expect you to honor them anyway, simply because God is the delight of your heart. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. There's that word submit. You do this out of the delight of your heart. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. Every authority instituted among men. It doesn't even say God's authority. It says every authority instituted among men. Whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will. You want to do God's will? It is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. What, what that means is, is the world is watching. The world is watching to see what you do with honor. You want to silence the foolish talk of ignorant men? Don't answer a fool according to his folly. Don't respond in kind. Don't, don't do the same thing they do. That just escalates and fuels and now everybody's a fool. No. You silence them with honor. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God.
How do you do that? Show proper respect. That's the Greek word tamao, again, which means honor. Show proper honor to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Here's the deal. If we fear God with an awe-filled, reverential honor, respect, then we'll love the brotherhood of believers. We'll submit to one another and we'll honor the king. Where is the honor? Starts right here. Let's pray together. God, as we pray, we, we, we just pause and we just honor you. We recognize your value, your worth, your weight in our lives. God, we do not want to take you lightly. We do not want to take your word. We do not want to take your creation, the institutions that you have established in our lives. We do not want to take those lightly. I'd invite you just to pray in this moment and say, God, I, I, I don't want to take the relationships in my life lightly. I don't want to take marriage. I, don't, I, don't, I, I want to honor my husband and my wife. I don't want to dishonor them. I don't want to take them lightly. I, I want to view them as, with worth. I don't want to see them as cheap. I want to cherish them. And maybe for you it's an issue with parents. Maybe even as an adult, maybe it's just hard to honor them because you're just so wounded. But God tells us that, that, that there is power in honor. There is healing in honor. Doesn't mean they weren't wrong. Doesn't mean they weren't bad. It just means they're your parents. They're the ones God used to give you life. Maybe in the workplace... You're struggling. What's my role? How do I function? How do I handle this conflict, this confrontation that keeps happening? Recognize the power that comes from honor. Maybe God's speaking into your heart in regards to politics and, and our country and our culture. And we see things decaying and falling apart and, and, and ungodly decisions being made and it, and it raises our, our fear, it raises even our ire. God calls us to rest in Him, to recognize Him, to honor Him. And as we honor Him, we find the power to honor those who rule over us. God, I'd pray that you would just unleash the blessing of honor in our lives as we honor you. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.